Shall we just have a quick word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this Mothering Sunday. Lord, we ask you to be with us now, to bless us, to open your word to us, to share with us what's on your heart. And Lord, just to fill us with more love for you. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I didn't know quite what I was going to do this morning, and the more I thought about it, what do you talk about on Mothering Sunday? After all, I'm a dad. I don't know anything about being a mother, do I? And I thought, why not take a look at somebody who's often neglected in evangelical churches, and that's one of the most important mothers of all. That's Jesus' mother, Mary. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll have a look at Mary. And the more I read about Mary, the more I looked at the scriptures, which I've seen hundreds of times before, I began to see things about her I'd not quite seen before. And I want to share those with you now, because I found she was such an incredible woman. And the thing is, because the Roman Catholic Church has possibly gone a bit over the top on their worship for Mary, we in the Evangelical Church kind of bypassed her altogether. So... This morning, I want to try to put that right a little bit and concentrate on the mother of Jesus, Mary. I'd like to start by reading a scripture, Luke 45 to 56. You'll know this, it's Mary's song, or better known as the Magnificat. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And do you know, that's an awesome bit of scripture. But the trouble is, we read these scriptures so often, and they're so familiar to us, we don't actually get under the skin of them and see what they're saying to us. And as I was reading about Mary this week, I became to see not only was she a very special woman, but she was a very ordinary woman. She was just like us. She was very human. And the first thing that struck me about her was her humility. She was a very humble woman. Here she was, she'd been chosen by God to be the mother of his son, to have the responsibility of raising God's only son in this human world. Is she boastful? Does she go around saying, hey, wait, look what they've done, look, God's chosen me. No, quite the opposite. My spirit rejoices in God my saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. No, she's a woman of humility. Indeed, it's one of the great things about her, that she's humble. And as you read, what you find is her self-esteem comes not from what she's done or who she is, but her self-esteem comes from who she is in Christ, who she is in God. What a lesson that is for us. You see, it's who we are in Christ that matters, not who or what we are in this world. A short while ago, I used to like a television programme. 
I don't know whether it's still on because I don't watch much television these days. Um, it was a programme called The Apprentice where young people competed to earn a position working with Alan Sugar or to earn a sum of money to be invested into their company. And you get about 20 of these young people and they would week after week be telling us how good they were. They were the best business person on the planet. They were going to put everybody else to shame. They were going to do it. These people were so pumped up with self-esteem that the problem was week after week we saw them fail and their self-esteem crumbled to dust. But that's not the way it's meant to be with us. Our self-esteem is not in who we are, what we've done, the job we've got. Our self-esteem comes from who we are in Christ because we are God's children. And that's where our self-esteem should come from. You know, and I can, can say that because as my wife will happily tell you that when I was a young man, I was just like those people on The Apprentice. And I put in my notes here that I would have described myself as a windbag full of my own self-importance. You see, it's in humility, like Mary, that we should approach God. And we should always remember that we are his creatures. He is the creator. We are the created. In other words, God is at the centre, not us. And if you watch a lot of Christian stuff at the moment, Christian television, and you see a lot of it, you get a wrong impression. You get the impression that we are at the centre and God is whizzing round, just trying to get into us. No, it's not that at all. God is at the centre and we are surrounding him. And he invites us in to join him. It is God who is at the centre of everything. So humility is, is a part of what it means to be a Christian. Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 to 4 tell us that we should do absolutely, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And Mary herself tells us in verse 52 that he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And so the first lesson we can learn from Mary is that she teaches us a right attitude towards God. Do we have a right attitude towards God? That's humility is not a sign of weakness. For with Mary, her humility is also marked by strength of character. She's not a wimp. She wasn't a weak person, but she was a strong woman. And the sad thing in the world today is that humility is often mistaken for weakness. And one of the things that fascinated me was I, I was reading the account of when the angel Gabriel appeared before her and he made this announcement. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, 
to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will ever end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I find that absolutely incredible. Mary is told by an angel. That must have been an awesome experience to be met by an angel and said, hey, you're going to have God's only son. What does she do? He said, no, it can't possibly be true. I'm a virgin, you know. She knew that it takes two to make a child. How can this be? I'm a virgin. It's all very well for you, angel, to stand there and tell me what's going to happen. But, it, you know, laws of physics, you know. I love that because she was challenging the, the angel. She was sceptical. How can this be true? Indeed, what she was saying to the angel was what the angel was saying was virtually impossible. So, you know, I think that struck me. Her reaction then is so often what our reaction is when we're challenged by God. When God challenges us, do we say, oh, fabulous, let's get on with the fight. Let's get out there, do a bit of evangelism. No, we come up with all the excuses why it won't work. And we convince ourselves, well, I can't do that, Lord, because I've got to go and do this next Saturday and I've got to do that. But that's not Mary's response. Mary's response is a response of faith. And how great that faith is comes to light when you realise what she was being asked. Because she was being asked to be the mother of God's son. But more than that, she was being challenged because she was not being offered an easy task. God didn't come to her and say, hey, you're going to be so blessed because you're going to be the mother of my son. Because Mary knew that what she was being asked was going to put her into a terrible state with the society around her because she was going to be an unmarried mother. Now, I can remember 
when I was a young lad courting Cynthia back in the last century, that in those days, for a young girl to be pregnant out of marriage was absolutely appalling. It brought disgrace on her family and she'd be ostracised. And I remember how, what a, a sobering thought that was for us when we were courting. Because I knew if I'd come home and I said to my dad, hey dad, I've got Cynthia pregnant, I'd have ended up in the middle of next week. Because I would have been seen to have been brought shame on my family. Now that's only, what, 50 years ago. But if you take, go back to Mary's time, it was far, far worse. She knew that by saying yes to God, that she was going to be ostracised. Even Joseph considered ditching her before the Lord sent an angel to speak to him. And yet, knowing this, as she so surely must have, that this was not going to be an easy task she was being offered, she said yes to God. And I wonder how often would we say yes to God? We are not often asked to have challenges that big. We love it when he wants to bless us. We pray for his blessings. Oh Lord, we need healings. We need deliverance. We need... But what about when he asks us to go and evangelise or to do something difficult? We're not so keen, are we? And that's when we look at Mary and it's a challenge to us. Because what Mary had was faith. A faith that was so strong that when she knew she was asked to do something that was going to make her stand out in society, that she still said yes, because she trusted God to see her through it. Do we trust God as a church for what he's called us to do? No matter how impossible the situation was for Mary, she said yes. Do we believe that God wants to grow this church? Do we believe that God wants to bless it? Do we trust him? And it's not going to be easy. To spread the gospel today is becoming more and more difficult. You could end up locked up in, in jail, as some poor preacher was, arrested outside of Ealing Tube Station the other day and carted off in handcuffs and had his Bible taken away. It's getting difficult and it's going to get more difficult. Are we ready for that? Are we going to say yes to God here at the Lighthouse? Are we going to say yes to God when we know even at work that if we admit we're Christians, people will take a dim view of it. It's not acceptable. We must be like Mary. We must say yes and trust that whatever the cost, God will see us through. Another thing that I found with this is Mary teaches us what commitment means. 
in saying that she was going to go, that she accepted the challenge and the task God was giving her, she showed that she was really committed. Are we really committed? I don't fancy going out tonight. Another flipping church meeting. Are we committed? Not just with our time, but with our money. She was. She was committed with her life because to accept the call of God, she put her life on the line. But I'll look at another aspect of Mary that I've seen this week, which has really blessed me. And that's seeing Mary as a mother. Do you remember in Luke chapter 2, 41 to 52, we read the story of how Jesus, when he was 12 years old, went with his family to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. And it sounded like a church outing, sort of the whole family and friends went up from Nazareth to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And they celebrated the Passover there, they had a, a, whatever they did, and they went home again. And on the way home, two I've been travelling for a day, and suddenly Mary finds that Jesus is not with them. Shock horror. I've lost God's son. Can you imagine how she felt? But I was reminded too, uh, years ago, as I read, that we were out shopping with one of our little boys when he was only about three, and he got lost. And we couldn't find him. He disappeared. Well, my wife went ballistic. She was hanging on to sanity by her fingernails, I can tell you. And when we eventually found him sitting on the end of a supermarket checkout, being spoilt by the ladies, my wife just exploded. Because all the tension, all the worry came out in anger. And as I read this passage of Mary and Joseph finding Jesus in the temple, this is how it reads in the, in the scriptures. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Well, I reckon that must be one of the most understated scriptures going because if we could be there I am sure that Mary would have given Jesus the biggest tongue lashing <laughs> not because she was angry she was so relieved to find her son like Cynthia was when we found our little Richard when he was lost and you see it's that anger that comes out of relief that's the humanity of Mary she's a real person She's like us. And we see another side of her when we go to that very first miracle Jesus did at Cana in Galilee. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine, woman. Jesus said to, sorry, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. 
Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now I find that rather interesting. Mary sees the problem. So she goes up to her son and she says, hey, Jesus, they've run out of wine. Can you help? You know? And Jesus says, don't bother me. My time hasn't come. Why are you bothering me, woman? But does she give up? No, she persists. She goes to the servants and she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And I thought to myself, that's incredible. Do whatever he tells you. Jesus has almost given her the brush off. And yet she goes to the servants. And I think what you see there is a wonderful example of the mother's pride. It's almost as if she's saying to the servants, don't worry, don't worry about your problem, my son will sort it. And of course her son did sort it and did his first miracle. But again, it's the humanity of Mary that comes through. It's just that we're seeing there a proud mum. And like all mothers are fiercely proud of their children. But Mary also had the heartbreak of watching her son die on the cross in excruciating pain and agony. Can you imagine how she felt about that? That was part of the burden she took on when she said yes to God. That she would also stand before the cross as her son died in agony. But what I also found fascinating there and that really moved me was Jesus, even though he's in the most appalling agony, almost beyond anything we can imagine, looks from the cross to his mother and he feels the pain that his mother is. And he says, John, she's your mother now. Take care of her. And there's the love between a mother and a son reflected there. So what's all this? What am I trying to say in all this? We call this Mothering Sunday. We celebrate motherhood. But sadly today, motherhood is being almost sidelined. It's like every part of family life which has been so under attack for most of my lifetime. And that attack is accelerating. And I find it quite frightening the way I see society around me crumbling and the values that I was brought up with as a young man disintegrating before my very eyes. And so often we see motherhood as just one option along with another career structure. But motherhood is something that Mary saw right from the beginning was a gift from God. The high calling of God is motherhood and we should never as Christians ever denigrate that. 
The gift of motherhood is a gift from God. As is the gift of any parent. Fathers too. We are gifted by God. We are gifted by our children. They're not our children, they're his children, created in his image, which he's given to us to bring up and to teach the right things. You see, for Mary, motherhood was not ever a secondary calling. It was her primary calling. And so it should be with us. To look after and raise the next generation is one massive privilege. And more than anything, we need to see our children and our mums in church reflecting what a Christian mother is. We need, in this darkening world, as a church, to be shining bright. Our mothers need to show what it is, above all else, to be a Christian mother. Because it's only when we, as the church, begin to live up to our calling will we affect and change the world outside. We won't change the world by preaching at it. We will change the world when we authenticate our preaching with the way we live. If that makes sense. When people see that what we preach is what we live, then we will begin to start changing them. That's what Mary did. When she said yes to God, she knew she was in for a difficult time. She didn't, didn't call it to something easy, but she was prepared to do it because she loved God. Are we prepared to love God so much that we're prepared really, literally, to put our lives on the line for him? Christianity isn't just about having a wonderful bless-up. It's about being, serving a living God. A God who wants to see no one perish, but all come to a knowledge of salvation. So I pray this morning that we'll think about Mary. We'll think of the wonderful example she was. Not just as a spiritual woman, but as a mother. This Mary, who when challenged by God, said words that I hope will become the words of this church. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. May we grow in faith and be able to say that. Amen.